Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Did you do it this year? I did it this year. I made one of my New Year's resolutions that I was going to go out and do more exercise and activity. And here we are almost towards the middle of February and we are stuck with me saying I said I was going to but I'm not getting as much exercise as I promised and I don't know how many other people feel exactly the same way but today we're going to be talking with Tony Hallam. He is an exercise physiologist and health coach at Kaiser Permanente and he is going to help us find benefits to exercise that we might not know are there and that could motivate us to keep going, whether it be to the gym or outside or to do our favorite sport or some way to keep ourselves active. So thank you for joining me today, Tony. Uh, thanks for having me, Kathy. Glad to be here. Now, exercise physiologist, what exactly does that mean? What, what, what do you find yourself doing for the most part in your day? Yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to talk about that. So exercise physiologists, we, we kind of have a, a range of things that we can do as professionals. Uh, probably the most noted, most common that everybody's heard about a lot is a personal trainer. We do have the capacity to be a personal trainer if we wanted to. I actually started off my career in what's called cardiac rehab and working with members who have uh, some kind of cardiac issue, whether that be a heart attack or some type of heart surgery, and helping them throughout the rehab process. It's almost like physical rehab for your heart. That's where I started, and that's where another route can go as an exercise physiologist. Uh, for my role within Kaiser that I currently work with, I work as a health education coordinator or, or a wellness coach is another word for that as well, uh, where I just work with our members on several different healthy lifestyle changes. Uh, exercise fits into a lot of different healthy factors and, of course, should be uh, considered for everybody's healthy living routine. So I spend a lot of time talking about that, but also other lifestyle factors as well. So let's talk a little bit about some of those areas. I mean, I often find that when you mention you started off in cardiac rehab, that's sort of after the fact. Somebody's had a heart attack or had a heart surgery, mm -hmm. and now they're learning how to get back to either a previous level of functioning or how to do more activity to avoid having another event if it was, you know, a heart attack in that case. But I bet a lot of folks... You know, even in that situation, say, I should have been doing this earlier. And for those people who just want to get started on an activity that might be simple, might be safe, and might be something that could help to motivate them to keep going, what's the easiest way to get started? When you see clients that come to you with a variety of medical ailments, what kind of activity do you tell them they ought to just start with? My favorite thing to start with is just light walking. Uh, most of us can handle that to some degree unless, of course, we're prohibited by uh, or inhibited by pain or uh, some type of other ailment that may be there. But most of the time, I just like to recommend light walking. Uh, if a person's not crazy about walking, my favorite thing to recommend is whatever they enjoy doing, whatever gets you moving. For some people, that can be dancing. For others, that could be gardening. Uh, that could be bicycle riding. You know, really anything that gets you moving is, is a really easy, broad term to think about. Uh, and it can be as simple as that. So that's my favorite thing to recommend because then that sparks all kinds of interest. Oh, well, you know, at one time I, I did like to garden. Maybe I could get back into gardening. And, I, and that's where we take the conversation. I might say that's a great example. You know, how could we get started with gardening? So to, to answer that question, I would just say if you're having trouble getting started, think about what you really like doing. Is there anything that involves movement? It could be a sport. It doesn't necessarily have to be a sport. Uh, but the way to keep going with that, 
is just to make one small step in that direction. So if that is walking, if you do decide to go walking, that can be one minute. It can be as little as one minute. Go walking for one minute. You can do laps around your living room. Uh, That could be as small as five minutes outdoors, whatever that needs to be. As long as we get started somewhere with that light activity that you enjoy doing, uh, even just one minute a day, if that's better than zero minutes from what you were previously doing, uh, that's why I encourage you to keep going. And then we would just build off of that one minute or that five minutes or wherever that might be. Well, and I like the idea that you said, kind of turn it into something people enjoy. So, you know, if you really like to be outdoors and gardening, then you need to do some walking in order to do that. So this is a way that you can get started. And, you know, for some people who say walking is boring, I think to myself, well, if you walk at the mall, there's a lot to see as long as you don't stop in every store. Or if you walk at Target or even if you walk at Costco and you just go up and down the aisles, there's probably a way that you can motivate yourself to get the external stimulus if you feel you need that, even if it isn't exactly outdoors. So outdoors being probably the healthiest and safest, but even if you're indoors, there's a way to sort of motivate yourself and find what you like to look at. Yeah, absolutely. And I like what you said about the malls or or Target as an example. I think uh, at least on Oahu, we have Ala Moana Shopping Center, which is you know one of the largest outdoor shopping centers around, and it's a perfect example. You can go do some window shopping. Uh, you're outdoors, but so you're, you're still you know at least somewhat protected from uh, COVID-19, at least a little bit more. So it's a safer environment to be in because you are outdoors. Uh, you can do your window shopping, and it's huge, right? So you can you could probably walk for 30, 45 minutes and not do the same thing twice. So I think that's a perfect example of finding something that you maybe don't love to do, but find a way to make it fun. Well, and there's always podcasts. I've become addicted to just random podcasts that you can listen to when you're walking, almost to the point where I don't want to stop because I want to keep listening. So you can also turn it into something that's enjoyable from an audio perspective. If you have certain music you like to listen to or you like to talk with friends, you know, I just was talking with a patient earlier today and she said, you know, all the friends my age don't want to go walking. And so I'm going to start walking with my grandkids because it's fun to chat with them and to have this interaction and have some way to sort of learn about their lives. And it's what a great way to have, you know, go for a walk with grandma. I mean, the kids, they're loving it and she's loving it and she's getting to interact with relatives. So that's and physical fitness. So there are some ways you can get other people. Now, sometimes I find that if I make a plan by myself, I will find very many reasons In fact, barely a reason why I might just not do it. But if I get a buddy and I promise them I'm going to go somewhere, I'm more likely to show up. Why is that? Oh, that's that's what we call accountability. So you've made yourself accountable to somebody else. And that is true for, uh, I think that's helpful for a couple of reasons. I think just to start off, there's power in saying something out loud and admitting something. Somebody. So a lot of times you mentioned New Year's resolutions earlier about exercise. A lot of times we make those internally. We might write them down somewhere, but I find there's a lot of power in really saying it out loud. Uh, there's kind of the phrase of just put it out to the universe, say that this will happen. And I believe in that. I believe that there's some power to just telling yourself that you will exercise more or just say, I'm going to go for a walk today for 10 minutes or whatever there may be. So I think that's one of the first reasons it works. I believe that there's power to just saying something out loud, and admitting that to yourself that that's your goal. Uh, The second reason that works is because now you've got a buddy, right? Now you feel a little bit more accountable. Now you feel a little bit more responsible. Uh, Whether this is a good thing or a bad thing, I'm not quite sure. But now you might feel a little bit guilty if you don't follow through. Uh, And you want your friends or your family to think well of you. You want them to 
have nice thoughts about you, so you don't want to be someone that backs out on your goals. So you get a lot of emotions there. Again, they might not all necessarily be good, but that's the big picture of accountability is now we want to follow through with what we said because we've said it out loud, and now we've got others who think uh, that we are going to exercise and that we want them to come along with us, and now maybe they even depend upon us because they also want that benefit. So you want to be reliable for them to show up to go for that walking exercise or, or surfing or whatever that may be. Uh, that way they can have the benefits as well. Ah, uh, the buddy system. The way to have mutual right. accountability and dependability where you say what you're going to do and you do what you're going to say. All right. Well, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. When we come right back, we're going to continue our discussion with Tony Hallam from Kaiser Permanente about what are some other ways that you can motivate yourself and what are some of the health benefits? It's not just all about weight loss. There are some other great things that you can get by keeping a regular exercise routine. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and today we are talking with exercise physiologist, health education guru, and wellness coach, Tony Hallam, who just explained to me why I need a buddy, because then I might actually do what I say I'm going to do when it comes to exercise and activity. And he is at Kaiser Permanente. And, you know, one of the things that always makes me curious, Tony, is that people often think, oh, exercise is just for weight loss. And sometimes as you see people who might be at appropriate weight or they're older and they feel as though they don't need to do as much activity, it's more than just losing pounds. It has a lot to do with keeping yourself fit and in some cases, keeping yourself able to age in place in your home. What are some of the health benefits that you've seen through your years of working with clients and patients that, has, that you've seen them benefit from? Oh, well, I'm so glad that you brought that up, Kathy. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about this because I think there's a lot of misconception around the benefits of exercise. And as you mentioned, a lot of times we hope that exercise will help us reach a healthy weight, and we hope that exercise will do most of the work. Uh, but unfortunately, it's a very small percentage of our overall health, and especially if we have a weight loss or a specific weight goal in mind. Uh, exercise plays a role. It does play a role, but it's a very small role. And so what we find that exercise has the most benefit in is sometimes in the immeasurable, sometimes, that are some, sometimes the things that are a little bit harder to, uh, to really determine, you know, what that benefit is. A really great example would be something that we refer to in, in the medical field that you'll be familiar with as ADL, or activities of daily living, uh, activities of daily living, excuse me. These are the things like uh, getting up from bed, uh, being able to uh, get on and off the floor comfortably if you need to, uh, maybe standing up and sitting down to use the bathroom accordingly. Uh, these are things that we just kind of always assume that we'll be able to do. But some of the saddest things that I've seen when I work as an exercise physiologist is that we take that for granted, and if we don't use it, we don't use those muscles, we really lose it. So it can be uh, really sad to see members who uh, aren't exercising and have trouble with those activities of daily living. They, they may need help going to the restroom, and that can be really demoralizing. Uh, to, to the individual because they've lost a lot of their independence. Um, so just the things of going, uh, going around throughout the day, uh, having those activities of daily living is one of the most important things that exercise can help with. 
Uh, but there's also a lot of other health benefits. Of course, we do know that it's good for our heart. We know it's good for our bones and our joints. Uh, but sometimes those are a little bit harder to measure and, until we lose them. That's a very good point, which is, you know, if you don't use it, you lose it. And all too often, as sometimes as we get older, we forget that, you know, when was the last time somebody there? I remember one time I was talking with someone about, can you get up off the floor without using your hands? And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, of course you can. And then I was sitting on the floor. I'm like, why can't I use my hands? So it's not as easy as some people think. And there are some benefits to being able to practice and keeping yourself active and able to get up and get around. As you get older, sometimes it gets more difficult to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, too, there's a lot of preventative thoughts in it, too, uh, or preventative uh, action that should be taken with exercise, too. Let's take, for example, if somebody does fall on the floor. If we're exercising regularly, we may have better reaction time to fall in a safer manner. Uh, If we're not hurt, then we can comfortably get up. Uh, sometimes we may have to unfortunately make those calls, but I think there are there are a few tests out there like that. Can you get on and off the floor uh, without using your hands? And if so, how easy is that for you? And we we'd never really think about getting on and off the floor, but uh, I think that's just really interesting. You bring up that test. I haven't tried that for a long time, but uh, those are there are some fun tests that measure that kind of activity of daily living ability. Well, and I think there's actually some studies that have shown that if you can get up and do things in a certain amount of time that that's actually associated with longevity, that the longer it takes you to get up, get out of a chair, and get moving, the more indicative it is that maybe you're not keeping yourself as active as you could. Now, I think the other interesting idea is that this is not just when you're really old. This is also, you know, you could be in your 40s and 50s and just not be doing a lot of stretching and working on flexibility. That's another thing that I find as we get older, I'm noticing it's a little bit harder to stretch and turn and move the way I used to. How can people work on keeping their flexibility? Oh, that's that's a great question, too. Uh, really, kind of the similar approach is just do something. Uh, there are some light stretching uh, classes that you can find online. Uh, there are uh, just some light stretches that you can do, of course, at home. Uh, you can use some tools, like it's called a yoga strap, which is just something that you can wrap around your uh, foot if you can't reach your toes uh, to help assist with that. Uh, So a lot of the tools that you can use, uh, doing something daily even, uh, so even if just for five minutes before and after bed, uh, that way you don't get so stiff in the morning, uh, really just doing anything with flexibility uh, and even sometimes just motion in general. We're talking about doing uh, doing something, right, for exercise, do something that you enjoy. Uh, There was a physical therapist that I spoke with once who was talking about joint health and mobility and flexibility, who used the phrase, uh, motion is the lotion for our joints. So just being able to move our joints and doing that regularly can help us to maintain healthy flexibility. I like that. Motion is the lotion. It reminds me of sort of the Wizard of Oz and the Tin Man and constantly putting, you know, lubricant oil in his joints to keep him going. That's sometimes what you feel like as time goes on. The other real key that I think often physical therapists do a great job of trying to help folks who have a history of falls is really trying to improve their balance. And there are some Mm -hmm. simple ways that you can help people with balance. I often tell folks, well, you start with just standing in position and close. hold on to something if you need to. Close your eyes and start to use those other ways that you you can feel and sense where you're at. Let those muscles engage and keep you going even when you can't use vision 
as potentially one of your sources of knowing where you are. Because if it's in the dark in the middle of the night, you might not have the vision. It might be too dark. You can't see anything. So learning how to really work on balance, standing on one foot, trying to balance bending down when standing on one foot. That's another key. So some simple things people can do to really keep their balance to avoid the unnecessary falls. And that way they can, again, stay flexible, fit, active, and not have to wind up in a hospital with a joint replacement or a fracture or some other kind of concern like that. Yeah, absolutely. I think you you, meant, you brought up something really important, which is about having something to hold on to. So that, that needs to be something very sturdy, needs to be something around your waist height. Uh, so furniture is a great example, maybe like a couch or a dining room chair or something. Uh, but as long as it doesn't move, if you need it, uh, something really sturdy to hang on to. But you mentioned some really good exercises, and there's kind of a progression that a person can do. So you mentioned, uh, you know, holding on to something. Uh, you can, and the progression is more or less like this. So you go from having two feet uh, stable, and then you just lift one leg, and you balance on that one foot for a while. And then, of course, you alternate the other foot. So you're going from two to one. And then you can progress that a little bit further by going eyes closed, as you mentioned, and that can make that process a little bit difficult. Then you can combine those and try one foot with eyes closed. Uh, and then the next progression would be to have some type of head movement in there. So as we move our head, our equilibrium becomes a little bit disturbed, and it's a little bit harder for us to keep our balance. So that would be the next progression towards that. And then you can try to combine all three. Uh, of course, as you're holding on to something, uh, you can stand on one foot with your eyes closed, as you're moving your head, say, in maybe like a circle motion or maybe like a yes and a no motion and seeing how that really affects your balance. And as long as somebody's safe, as long as somebody has something strong to hold on to, uh, then you can comfortably progress through those and improve your balance. Wow, that's like the advanced super expert. You can move your head, close <laughs> your eyes, stand on one foot and see how you do with all of that. Yes, please hold on to something because I'm just trying yes. to picture myself and I will soon be on the floor. Think, thinking, why can't I use my hands to get up? Why is that a test? All right, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. When we come back, we're going to talk with Tony Hallam, exercise physiologist at Kaiser Permanente, about what are some of the other benefits? When do you get that serotonin boost or that runner's high? Do you have to run? Is there some other way you can get that? And what are some of the other benefits of lowering your stress by doing activity? We'll be right back. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and today I am joined by Tony Hallam. He is an exercise physiologist at Kaiser Permanente, and he's demystifying some of the simple ways that we can all get up, get going, do a little balance, strengthening activity, flexibility, try and work on progressing that to the point of really being masterful and being able to keep ourselves well-balanced and standing upright and not hopefully not falling on the floor. But there's more than just doing an exercise program. You know, Tony, I always wonder, when do you get the runner's high? Like, what is that? Because I don't think I've ever had it. Do you have to be a runner? How do you get that positive boost of, of happiness that makes you want to keep coming back and doing it again and again? 
Oh, that's funny you bring that up. Uh, I've never actually experienced a runner's high either. And uh, the short answer is no, you don't have to run to experience that. Uh, it can be any long endurance uh, sport that you do, so that it could be cycling. Uh, but it, it actually, it's hard to measure exactly when that happens because it's, it's pretty late in that stage. But what you're mentioning in terms of serotonin and happiness are very true on a very simple level. Uh, we don't need a lot of exercise to feel better. A really good example of that is can you think of a time when you exercised and you regretted it, maybe short of doing something that got you hurt. Uh, but is there any time that you went, man, I really wish I didn't go for that walk? And usually I haven't heard anybody say no, or I haven't heard anybody say yes, excuse me. I haven't heard anybody say that they regret going for exercise. And so a really great example of that is a study that I encountered during my schooling, uh, which measured uh, depression. And in the study they had three different groups, and one group only exercised, and one group took medication, and then the third group took medication and exercise. And they, they, had a different, uh, they had different depression scores that they measured before and after uh, they had done this for a few weeks. And what they found was that the group that only exercised had the best scores at the end of the study. And what that tells us is that exercise is great for our mental health. Uh, it doesn't need to be anything sh super strenuous. We don't need to be marathon runners. We don't need to be Olympians. But all we need to do is move more and that can help us to feel a little bit happier, even more powerful than prescription medication even. Well, and I echo that. Some of the studies have shown even that the use of the exercise as an initial antidepressant way to help people boost their mood actually can work. But it kind of has to be consistent. If you go walking around mm. this afternoon for 10 minutes and go, that's it. Didn't happen. I don't feel any happier. I don't regret it, but I'm not happier. Then, you know, you might not have given it enough time. I think consistency may be one of the keys to making sure that you get out there and you do it. Even if you don't feel like it, you're still, as you start moving and get into it, probably going to find a groove and wind up, like you said, not regretting it, being pretty happy you did it. And maybe that's the beginning of getting that happy hormone serotonin to boost in your brain a little bit. Oh, yeah, I agree. Consistency is definitely key in all things related to health. So it doesn't matter what we do one day. It matters what we do over the course of weeks and months and even years. But I like that you brought up that if we get started, even if we're not in a great mood, once we get maybe five minutes into exercise or maybe 10 minutes, usually we notice a shift in our mindset. Yeah, I, I was joking with a friend of mine. I said, look, once I put on adventure pants, those would be your exercise pants. It's hard enough to put them on, but once they're on, an adventure is going to happen. We are going to go walking somewhere. And so even just getting the right gear, making sure you have a certain amount, your your favorite athletic clothes or whatever you like to go ahead and wear, that sometimes that will actually motivate you too. Getting a nice new pair of shoes if you're going to start a walking program or, or a bathing suit if you like to swim, something that you feel comfortable in. And, and sometimes it's just getting new gear that makes you get excited about wearing it. And if that means you want to move, then time to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great way to talk about the external motivator fact, motivating factors sometimes is what, what kind of gear do we need and does that help motivate us? If we spend a lot of money on uh, something that we normally wouldn't use, that can sometimes help to get uh, get started. Yeah, or the guilt. Maybe I'm guilt-motivated. Guilt. <laughs> because, guilt you know, you said, again, of course. yeah, do you ever regret exercise? I'm like, no, but sometimes I regret that extra cookie at lunchtime. So, huh, maybe if you did more of the activity... Then you wouldn't have to feel the guilt. There you go. Okay. 
Now, stress reduction, that's another thing that I think is a huge benefit to doing activity. There have certainly been some studies on how stress is affecting all of us. Do you think that exercise might be one of the keys to working not just on combating depression, but also helping to combat stress? Absolutely. Uh, for so many reasons. It's, it's just so good for us to take time for ourselves. And a lot of times when I'm working with our members at Kaiser, I notice that a lot of people are stressed just because they don't take time for themselves. It doesn't necessarily have to be exercise to feel better. Uh, it can be some other type of stress management event or activity. Uh, but exercise is really like a double bonus, right? You get the health benefits from exercise along with the stress management. I think just taking time for yourself is really the first step for that is you give yourself 10 or 15 minutes just to relax, hopefully uh, you can clear your mental thoughts of all the stressful thoughts, or maybe it's related to work or family in that time. Uh, but also, I think there's something really powerful about the monotonous behavior of exercise, of walking and going for bikes. I mean, when we think about it, it's kind of silly if, if we're on a bike, maybe even a stationary bike. We're not going anywhere. <laughs> we're, not, we're not being productive in terms of miles that we're moving. Uh, we're just moving our legs in the exact same motion for several minutes at a time. Uh, but there's something really powerful about that. I think it puts our brain... Uh, in a state where we're just able to relax a little bit more. We don't have to think so much about what we're doing. We can just be there in the moment and taking time for ourselves. And I think really even 10 or 15 minutes of some type of stress management activity, uh, preferably uh, something active, uh, can be very good for stress management. Boy, and if you can do that outdoors in nature, it augments mm -hmm. the effect dramatically. Absolutely. Just getting fresh air, but also interacting outside, whether it be hiking, we have so many great trails here, whether it be walking on the beach, you can hear the ocean and just hearing the waves. That's just another way to improve things or even just walking around downtown, just taking a look at some of the sites, you know, and just saying, hey, I never knew that building was there or look at that cool little architectural detail or something to that effect. Now, health coaching, wellness coach, that's a new kind of a term that we've started seeing as we're finding that this is an integral part of trying to work on your overall health journey and keeping yourself well. How would you define a health or wellness coach? Sure. I would just define a health or wellness coach as a health partner. And that's what I tell members when I call them. I say, you know, hi, my name is Tony. I'm, I'm here. You can think of me as your health partner. And my role is to be somebody to help you talk about different lifestyle changes, maybe some lifestyle changes that could help improve your health and help you work through those. And so we're really good as a sounding board a lot of times. Sometimes people know what they need to do, uh, but just talking it out and figuring out what their plan is going to be is very helpful a lot of times. But also we're good for the strategy part of it. You know, you and I have talked about small goals uh, throughout tonight most of the time. You know, just starting small and it really just bouncing ideas off of each other or what a person feels like they could do, uh, what seems manageable for them. We all know that we should exercise more. We should give as much time as we can to it, maybe 30 minutes. But just talking about is that realistic right now or should we start smaller? Uh, so these are just examples of, of how we can help someone come up with goals and how we help them work through the different lifestyle changes that they hope to make. Well, and we started small and created small goals because that's kind of where I'm at. I think some people have large goals. They want to run marathons, and I give them so much credit. And for a lot of mm -hmm. folks, they have small goals. I want to get out of the office and walk a little bit. Or I'm going to park somewhere else in the parking lot so that if I go to Target, there's a bit of a walk involved. So there's always those small little ways that we can try and motivate ourselves and get ourselves started. Even when we think that it's uh, there's no time to do it, we probably can find some time. 
Well, I really appreciate some of the great thoughts that you've shared with us. You mentioned things like, I like, I wanted to to revisit that. If you don't use it, you lose it. That's a good word on flexibility. And motion is the lotion of the joints. That's another one I wrote down here. Kind of keep that uh, keep that top of mind. For anybody who wants to just create a little quick program, Tony, what would you tell them to do if we had we got about 30 seconds left? If somebody listening to this said, I'm ready to go do something, what would be the best way for them to get themselves going? Just go outside, go for a walk? Go outside, go for a walk is a great example. I ran across another quote that I really liked the other day, which says that action leads to momentum. So just going outside, going for a nice walk, engaging as many of your senses as you can. It looks nice outside. It feels nice outside. Uh, We can hear the ocean, as you mentioned. Just go outside, go for a walk, take time for yourself. Fabulous. All right, Tony, someday we're going to have to have you come to the studio and afterwards we'll go for a walk at Magic Island, maybe even get a chance to see a lot of folks and listeners out there and maybe even get a chance to see the sunset at the same time. I want to thank you for joining us and sharing your expertise with us today here on The Body Show. If you'd like to hear the show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We'll see you right here next week on The Body Show. Thank you.